Episode 1, 2000. A house divided against itself cannot stand. Now, on Inside the Buffalo... Wait! Wait, wait, wait. Can't use that title. How about this? All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the premiere episode of Down and Drought, our weekly walk down memory lane with the <laughs> Buffalo Bills. And uh, you might be asking yourself two questions right off the top. Uh, one, is this just an exercise to create content and fill time during a quiet <laughs> period in the sports calendar? Yes, shut up. And two, uh, isn't there already a drought podcast out there? The answer to that question is also yes. Our dear friends over at the Roostcast were the inspiration for this. They are doing a micro podcast, an episode for every game of the Bills drought. 17 seasons, 16 games a season, 272 podcasts. They're insane. We love them. The Roostcast. Go check that out. And to introduce us right off the top, I'm Prescott Rossi. Alongside me, News 8 Sports Director Thad Brown and former News 8 Weekend Sports yes. Anchor Dave Yates and current Jack of All Trades <laughs> over at Eastridge High School. Fellas, let's start right off with 2000. The Bills end the 90s with an unimaginable loss in Tennessee against the Titans. The home run throwback, the Music City Miracle, whatever you want to call it. There was going to be a scapegoat right after that game. It wasn't going to be in the Flutie Johnson debate. It was special teams coordinator Bruce DeHaven. And just what was the immediate thought after that of letting go of a legendary guy like Bruce DeHaven? Well, I think once the stories came out about what was said and what happened and transpired on the sideline leading up to that play, he had to go. I mean, once people found out that, I mean, from all reports, it was Wade told him, squib it. And he said, nope, we're kicking it deep. We're going we're gonna, to end. Have to lose that way and to have someone just, yeah, he was sitting there with his, his, he put his own head on the chopping block basically, so yeah. It was still, you know, the thing that made people upset that year though was still Flutie Johnson. Yes. You know, oh, and yeah. Bruce DeHaven was still a link yep. to the Super Bowl team. So although, yeah, that was, you know, not the way to handle the last play of the game, you know, I always remember that as, and I was just starting at the station then when we went for the transition between 99 and 2000, but it wasn't, didn't feel like to me that Bruce DeHaven was the scapegoat. Yeah, he screwed up. But it always went back to Flutie Johnson mm -hmm. and why it was, even though Johnson had played well enough, more than well enough to win that game, yeah. people still would never let Ralph Olson and, by extension, Wade Phillips live it down right. that they had gone with the wrong quarterback yeah. in that game. And moving forward from that, all, all the members of the Bills coaching staff stay the same, along with Wade Phillips. There's this man, Ronnie Jones, comes from out of nowhere to become the special teams coordinator, but we'll get to him in a moment. The big news of the offseason, more Super Bowl remnants from that period are now gone. Thurman Thomas, Andre Reid, Bruce Smith all leave. There are only five guys left from the Super Bowl years. They are John Fina, Henry Jones, Phil Hansen, and of course your kicker and punter, uh, Steve Christie and Chris Moore. The other thing that happened this offseason, the Bills moved their training camp from Fredonia to Rochester, and right as training camp started at St. John Fisher, Rochester's prodigal son returns home <laughs> from a, a stint as the weekend sports anchor in Binghamton. Yeah. Thad, your first, your first training camp, your first week, is right as the Bills open training camp yeah, at Fisher. Little did I know that I would be ushering in a brand new era in Bills football of <laughs> terribleness and it's his fault. It's you. It's all yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. I like to say I'm the, I am the record holder for NFL seasons covered without ever going to a playoff. But, you know, when you went into that season, the, the beginning of the year was about Rochester, you know, for, especially yeah, for us here yeah. in Rochester. He just said, uh, open the gates, and if you want to come uh, from Rochester, well, come on. But now, 
uh, we wanted to do something for to pay back all their support and to come here at this fine institution and be able to to hold our uh, training camp is a real plus for the Buffalo Bills. You went to camps in Fredonia. Yeah. So how much different was it coming here? You know, obviously, just from a convenience point of view. Well, convenience point of view is one thing. The, the, the coverage, obviously, it was off the charts. And every station in, in the market just went hog wild. We were there almost, it was almost around the clock for the entire time they were there. Fredonia was just like you go up maybe once a week, mm -hmm. get what you need, and come back. But the, the carnival atmosphere at Fisher, it was just such a spectacle. And the crowds just... You never got crowds like that at Fredonia. It Remember was we, insane. We had a van out there too yeah. that first year. We Everybody a, did. It was like a, what was it like a RV, right? We, we had a small camper, and we had we actually had rooms in the dorms, as edit suites. Mm -hmm. Every station had a room in the dorm they where we go in now. and do yeah. the editing, yeah. and then you go out to your live truck and do your shows. Yeah. I remember we had snacks out there. You know, oh, we, we snacks are important <laughs> and very important. <laughs> we did we did double sessions too. I mean that was back before the CBA yeah, and, oh, yeah. and everything. So you'd have almost every day a 10 a.m. practice and like a 2:30 yep. practice. So you cover the 10 a.m. <laughs> practice and you do all your interviews. You uh -huh. might have a story ready to go because you, you're not going to do a story at six from a practice that ends at five if you can avoid it. So you, you do your stuff at 10, you do your interviews, and then from like 12.30 to 1, I remember Dave would be editing, I'd be playing Minesweeper, eating licorice, <laughs> you know, just doing whatever to kill time because it was stupid to go home. You didn't know practice in an hour, you yeah. know, that you had to cover. So after practice, or after training camp ends, week one of the regular season, the Bills thrown right back into the fire with the Titans. Tennessee this time comes to Orchard Park. Uh, Rob Johnson sacked five times. He was sacked in the first play of the season in 2001. Steve Christie with the go-ahead field goal uh, with 31 seconds left. Steve McNair sacked four times. The Bills win 16-13. Uh, I guess, Dave, you shot that game uh, mm -hmm. in 2000. Just the immediate thoughts of that first game back, you get that revenge, though obviously not in the playoffs. You get that against the Titans. And they had, I mean, that was one of the, it was, I still remember Wade walking off afterwards with, with a grin on his face, kind of like it was retribution for him. But it was just, it was, it was, it was an yeah. empty. It really yeah. was. It was like, okay, you know, it was set for them to win it. And it was everything, everything was perfect for him. It was a primetime game. It was, it was, home. It was, it was yeah. home. So it was just, it was a great way to start things. But it by no means erased the memory of a few months earlier. And then a week later, the Green Bay Packers come to town with Brett Favre. And my favorite thing that I've seen from this game comes before the game even starts. And I, I, maybe you were there, Dave, but uh, Jack Kemp, the former Bills yeah, legend, yeah. member of Congress, uh, going back and forth on the field, goes to Doug Flutie, says, oh, I love you, you're a great player, I love watching you uh, play football. Walks across the field to Brett Favre and goes, I love watching you play football, <laughs> you're great at this. I just thought like, oh, the consummate politician yeah, just schmoozing all, all over the field. Yep, yeah, it, it, was, it was one of those, it was kind of neat though to see a guy like him and yes, a guy like Flute, but a guy like Favre too. I mean, to see the the two, the two legends like that really kind of come together. That's one of the. That was sometimes the stuff before the game, and you know too. Yeah. It's just like that's almost as special as the stuff during and, and after even. So the Bills take their two and zero record on the road in Week Three. They take on the New York Jets in Giant Stadium, and this game is famous for a few plays that uh, and a, a few names. Kevin Williams has a 97-yard kickoff return for a touchdown. Vinny Testaverde has a Hail Mary at the end of the first half that goes for a touchdown that ties the game 14-14. But the name, I'm just going to throw it out there. You guys just go. Chris Watson, two fumbles in the fourth quarter on punts uh, that lead to a Jets comeback. They go on and win 27-14. I mean, the story of Chris Watson for that year, there, there are so many stories from 2000. There's A1 is Flutie v. Johnson. Of course. You know, A2 is probably the Indianapolis game, which we'll get to. 
It, well, and, the Tampa game. The Tampa well, game, I think, is the biggest one. Uh, to me, it's the Indianapolis. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd go with the Colts game in terms of stories that people remember. But then you have the headset story. And then you have Chris Watson, the <laughs> punt catcher story, which doesn't happen for a few, <laughs> few weeks. But this is the beginning. He, he was their, their punt return man, and he just wasn't good at it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Leonis McKelvin looked competent in comparison. <laughs> he couldn't do anything right. And then so in week five, you mentioned those Colts, the Bills, uh, having a bye in week four. Week five, the Colts come to Buffalo. Rob Johnson has a 40-yard touchdown to Eric Moles with a minute and change to play, but Peyton Manning does his thing. He runs a two-minute uh, offense right down the field. Mike Vanderjack, game-winning field goal. The Colts win 18-16. We'll move forward into week six. The Bills go on the road. They are 2-2 two two at the time they go to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Sammy Morris has a fumble recovered uh, and returned for a touchdown by Sam Madison. Thurman Thomas playing in his only game against the Buffalo Bills. He suffered a knee injury a couple weeks later that ended his season. And I know, you know, we mentioned it a, a moment ago about Thurman and Reed and Bruce leaving the Bills. But what was that week like going up against someone that you were so familiar with for so long playing in Orchard Park? It was very, it was surreal. I mean, you, you, you kind of, Thurman was just, the consummate bill for so long it was just he was there for everything and just all of a sudden not only to have him playing for someone else but to have him playing for the Dolphins mm -hmm. it was yeah. just like of all teams I mean for the love of God what are, you, what are we looking at here right so it was yeah it was it was bizarre and back then when you got ready for a Bills Dolphins game it, it was its own story you yeah. know the, the, that was the rivalry I remember you know for years from 2000 to like 06 07 08 when it was Dolphins week, that would be its own story. I mean, kind of like Patriots week, it's not the same thing because it's a one-way rivalry. Yeah. But well, it was for the Bills and Dolphins for a long time. Yeah, so true. Not, yeah. I mean, Coming out of that. Yeah. You know, At one then, point, they were 17-4 and four against the Dolphins. Yeah. So they, then, they dominated. Yeah, the, yeah, the whole Brian Cox thing. Well, right. You know, it was right. just like there was just so many moments from that. You could start, you, you know, when you went in on Wednesday to get ready to do media day for, for a Bills-Dolphins game, at that time, you just said, all right, Dolphins week. What do you, you know, talk. Yeah. And, yeah, and exactly. that's, that's all you had to do. Yeah. So uh, the Dolphins win that game 22-13. The Bills drop to 2-3. and three. Players only meeting during the week as they welcome in the San Diego Chargers to the Ralph. The, the Chargers were winless at that point. Uh, Rob Johnson has a career high. 321 yards, completes 29 of 47 passes. Sacked four times. This is a recurring theme with Rob Johnson. He also uh, bangs his hand, or excuse me, separates his shoulder in overtime. Neil Smith tackling Rob Johnson. So Flutie comes in, and the narrative just so overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. Here comes Doug Flutie in a game where Rob Johnson gets beat up, knocked out of the game, leads the Bills to a game-winning field goal in overtime. Bills win 27-24. They're now back to 3-3. Three and three. The story I always tell from, from that year, and this is a little more personal than, than Flutie Johnson, but the Flutie Johnson story was every week. And mm -hmm. it was, how did Wade use him? Why did he put him in here? And, and you know, Rob was out for a while with the, the injury, and Flutie mm -hmm. played well. And there really wasn't back and forth, but there was a little bit. So I'm a first-year reporter at the station, and we're doing a press conference with Wade, and I'm standing in the back where the cameras were, and, and the Bills media setup is still the same, where all the cameras are in back, and you have reporters and tables mm. in front. So most of the time, the reporters sitting in front will ask the questions. Well, this one conference, I, I had a question. I said, you know, Wade, you know, what was... The, the new guy. Exactly. <laughs> Excuse me, coach, coach. Back in the back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can, can you hear me back here? So it was a, a question about Flutie Johnson. It wasn't particularly... Um, aggressive, but it wasn't you know, a softball either. It was yeah. about usage. So Wade looks at me after I get done ask my question, and he says, are you a reporter? Wow. And, and Scott, Scott <laughs> wow. Bushville, the Bill's media relations director uh -huh. for the longest time, uh, standing next to him said, oh, yeah, yeah, he works for, for this station. And the other thing you have to remember about this time is this was still back in an era where 
reporters were reporters and cameramen were cameramen. Yeah. So, you know, you didn't have a lot of what we have now where... You Everybody's know, doing social media right, and right. all that. Yeah, you know, we, people are we asking kinda, questions like this. We were kind of the ones that were... Right. We yeah. were, the two of us were the ones that were kind of bridging that gap. We, yeah. we did that yeah. then. We were still reporters yep. and photographers then in an era where we were maybe one of four yeah. in Buffalo and Rochester yep. combined. And now there's probably three or four people that don't do both right. in, in both markets combined. So... Um, so Wade looks at me after Scott confirms that I am a reporter <laughs> and does give me a, a basic answer to the question. But, you know, at that point, I thought I took off the coach. I'd never work in Buffalo again. <laughs> so the Bills, uh, they win this game in overtime against the Chargers. They're back to 3-3. Three and three. They take Flutie and company on the road to Minnesota. The Bills have an 11-point lead in the fourth quarter. It evaporates quickly thanks to guys like Chris Carter and Randy Moss. Uh, those are familiar names. Gary Anderson becomes the all-time leading scorer in NFL history in this game. Vikings win 31-27. And uh, I've seen our video. We don't have the clip of Randy Moss making a shoestring catch in the back of the end zone. Dave, were you there? And what happened? I was there, and I just... I blew it. <laughs> <laughs> that was the one. Yeah. That was the one. Yeah. Miss there, no. Randy Moss has a touchdown <laughs> in this game that is incredible, worthy of a Hall of Famer. And I'm like, oh, where in our video do we have it? And I'm like well, going back and forth. And here's probably, uh, probably what happened was when you're shooting a game on the road and you've only got one camera, I'm shooting for the Bills defensive perspective. So I'm looking for Bills yeah. defensive highlights. So I was probably behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah, behind yep. the quarterback and couldn't get the angle on the. It was probably far side of the end zone. I'm making excuses here. But <laughs> Seventeen with, years it's, later, it's making sense though, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sounds good right now. Yeah. And I, yeah. I guarantee you, at the time, I was looking at the jumbo trying going, "Oh, are you kidding me?" <laughs> <laughs> Doug Flutie has a good game, a good performance in this one. 294 yards, two touchdowns, only sacked one time. If we're seeing this also yeah. between yeah. the two of them, yeah. Rob Johnson just can't get the ball out of his hands, and Flutie, though, obviously does not have a great arm. He's 38 years old at this point, uh, but he is making the offense at least stay mobile. I, I, <laughs> I was a Flutie guy mm. because I always, whether you're, no matter where you were, when he took the field, that team had a different personality. Not it, it, Everybody, the crowd, whether they loved him or hated him, it caused an excitement and the energy pumped up, and I thought the team responded to that. And I really, did, I, I always felt like that was the big, the intangible that he brought was something that Rob Johnson could never offer. And Rob was exactly the opposite in terms of he was the no reaction guy. He I was, mean, he just yeah, he was laid flat back, yeah. you know. He was California. Right, right. He was SoCal right, right. through and through, big time. <laughs> but is that so bad that he was SoCal? I, I, I felt no, that Rob if, if he he got more criticism than he may have deserved. Yeah, he just probably because. did just because I don't think he ever was, I don't think the Buffalo fans ever fully embraced him. No, clearly not. Well, and yeah. even even his supporters were like, well, yeah, but he's a, he's a better, he, look at him, he's a better quarterback. Yeah, yeah. Right. But Doug was just, he was just, I mean, he had it. He had that it. He had the it factor. So week eight in 2000, the Bills lose in Minnesota 31-27. Week nine, the Jets come to the Ralph. It is the Geezer Bowl. Vinny Testaverde, 36 years old. Doug Flutie, 38 years old. Christie bangs in a game-winning field goal as time expires. Bills win 23-20 to go back to 500. In week 10, the New England Patriots welcome the Bills to Foxborough Stadium, Schaefer Stadium, whatever you want to call it. Flutie Magic once again reappears. Uh, Two-minute drive that leads for a game-tying field goal from Christie. Then Flutie does it again in overtime for another Christie field goal. And we mentioned the, the narrative uh, forming when Flutie makes his first appearance, and we're seeing it again twice in three weeks. Yeah. He leads a late comeback, this time an overtime comeback, and uh, the Bills do it again. They win in Foxborough 16-13, 
the last time the Bills win in Foxborough yeah. until 2014. The Bills go over 500 there, 5-4. and four. And for him to do it in his own backyard. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, as a Boston just, College yeah, grad. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you couldn't have written a better script than that. And then he, he was good with scripts. He was yeah. good. Oh, God. <laughs> I was going to say, in the locker room, what at this point, because now he's been the quarterback for two weeks and change, what is kind of the dynamic between, I assume there are Flutie guys, there are Johnson guys, oh, yeah. what... Yeah. What are the, you know, the wide receivers, the linemen, the coaches, what are they saying in response to here's Flutie and he's pulling it out of somewhere and Rob Johnson keeps getting, you know, laid out in the turf? I think everyone else, not named Wade Phillips, was trying to stay out of it as yeah. much as possible. Yeah, big time. You know, they were, yeah. every answer was we like both guys. They told the company line, yeah, whoever's exactly. in there, we're going to, you know, that's mm -hmm. who our quarterback is that yeah. week. And we're going to, but you could definitely tell that there were, there were guys that were just on one side well, or the other. And the other part of it too is Flutie was the politician. He yeah. was the guy that yep. was, you know, making backroom maneuvers, and, and he was always the more devious guy. Yeah. You know, people love Flutie, mm -hmm. but in terms of the personality, he was, I don't, it's not a fair word to use, but the bigger jerk was he Flutie. He was scheming. Yeah, he, he, he was exactly. working. But again, was to go back to how Rob was, Rob just didn't care. Yeah, he he wasn't going to bother with no, that. It wasn't, no. it's just, no, man, not, not enough, you know? There was, I'm sorry, but there was just a, palpable dislike between those two. Oh, yeah. yeah. They did not like each other on a professional or, pro I really believe, on a personal or professional standpoint. And we'll get to this later. Rob Johnson has an interview where he even says that, like, there were times where, you know, he had that back and forth with Flutie where it was, I mean, he wouldn't go into too much depth, but you, he admits that they did not get along yeah. throughout their tenure in Buffalo. Week 11 in 2000, the Bills welcomed the, uh, the helpless Chicago Bears into town. Uh, Jim Miller tears his Achilles in this game. Which, <laughs> Tell the story. Dude. Yeah, Dave, uh, your angle on it. Uh, you know, we can't uh, we can't show we can't. the video from the you know because of NFL rules. But Dave, I mean, you just happen to be in the right spot, yeah. I guess, at the wrong time for Jim Miller uh, as he blows his Achilles. Yeah, he's scrambling right along the sideline, right in front of me, and he just dropped. He just it, there's nobody out of just yeah. drops out of bounds right. At, I mean, you had to kneel. It's a non-contact injury. Non-contact yeah. injury. We had to kneel down there. He falls basically probably two yards away from me, and he just starts yelling. It popped. It popped. <laughs> it just popped. Jeez. And he. Uh, it was. It, I was just cringing because I'm just imagining what that must feel like. Well, you were you were right on top yeah. of a guy's season ending. Yeah. I mean, it's what literally it that was happened. Brutal. It yeah. was it was excruciating to listen to. <laughs> well. From that, the Bills win that game 20-3. to They go to 6-4. and four. But the following week, Rob Johnson makes his return after being out for four weeks with that separated shoulder in Kansas City. This game is memorable for Rob Johnson. He has a diving uh, attempt at a touchdown uh, late in that game. The go-ahead score in that one. The Bills win 21-17 on the road. Yes, Johnson was sacked four times, but that seemed like it could be the play that propels the Bills forward down the stretch. And here is Rob Johnson asserting himself with a game-winning play on the road. And asserting and showing a toughness that a lot of people didn't think he possessed. I mean, the, the number of hits he takes, yeah, that's yeah. one thing. But to actually put himself out like that to get hit and the potential to get hit, I mean, that was something that he never, he didn't always show the potential yeah. to do. And the fact that he did that, I think, was, you know, okay, yeah, right, maybe he is starting to buy into it a little bit more. If I remember correctly, there, there was some thought that the, the Flutie effect was kind of wearing off. Not that they liked each other, but right. you see Doug do it, you see Doug get praised, I now you start. get praised. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Well, week 13 <laughs> yes. is where it all explodes, and this is really, for me, I think this is the game of the 2000 season that defines how it all shakes out. In Tampa Bay, November 26th, 
Rob Johnson, 24 of 39, 262 yards, two touchdowns, six sacks. Basically, every bad thing about the Bills in the year 2000 rears its head in this game. Johnson gets sacked a ton. Carl Williams has a 73-yard punt return for a touchdown, so special, special teams, teams errors. Derek Brooks on defense is just a monster for Tampa mm. Bay. 19 tackles in this game. He has one play on Rob Johnson where I think he puts him below sea level. Yeah. <laughs> he hits him. He throws him like a child's toy. I've, like, you don't see that type of physicality <laughs> in the NFL. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It, it would yeah. be a million penalties. Uh, that happens in that game. Then, of course, the injury bug rears its head as well. Sam Cowart, Keon Carpenter, Sam Rogers. All done for the season in this game. Though the Bills outgained the Bucks 433 to 180, it is Tampa Bay with the win 31-17. That was uh, that you know looking at that video again and, and the the coward injury to me was that was huge and it looked you know like he came off like there was nothing wrong like he just maybe stubbed like <laughs> stubbed his toe or something because he walked off without a noticeable limp. The Achilles was gone and I'm sitting on the sideline and they keep looking down at his foot so I. Start shooting at the back of his foot, not knowing at that yeah, time yeah, that, yeah. that was that, that was, was the problem. Didn't realize how bad it was until they threw him on the back of the cart and, and took him off. But the, yeah, the injury that to me really snowballed everything. Not for that year, but just leading on. That really created a headache for them. As much problem as they had in terms of leadership and cohesion on offense. The defense was no problem. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. Sam Howard yep. was yep. like leader A one linebacker yeah. or a yeah. Pro Bowl linebacker. Right, that year. Yeah. he called the sick and called the singles. Right, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. absolutely yeah. phenomenal game leading up to that. Yeah, he was dominant in that. And he game. was still young and ascending yep. too, to yeah. where you know he hadn't reached what you know it seemed like his peak would be. Right. So you know this this was a guy where you're like, wow, we might really have yep. something at oh, linebacker, yeah. and then he does the Achilles in this game, and then you know continues to get hurt, but. You know, at that point, you had an offense that seemed to be in chaos because you couldn't figure out the quarterback. The defense was set, but then the, the leader, the, the head of the snake, gets chopped off yeah. for the rest of the year. Yeah. And then in the aftermath of this loss in Tampa Bay, uh, Wade Phillips is asked about his special teams. He says that Chris Watson is the most reliable guy on special teams and then has the famous quote that is still talked about 17 yeah. years later when describing Chris Watson. He is not a punt returner, end quote. He is a punt catcher. It was terrible. <laughs> and, uh, what was, I, if, if you're in that media room, what is your response at that moment? And then you just go back to that line every week. You just beat that line yeah. into the ground because that's the play. That's what you do yeah. as a member of the media. You have a head coach saying something that is so insane. Yeah. And here he is just throwing himself on the sword. I still remember when that was said. I was in the room when that was said. And the moment he says it, you could the whole meeting. No one looked at each other before looking at Wade. <laughs> yeah, but you could just tell everyone was jaw on the floor. Like, really? <laughs> this is what we're going with now? And then the second part of it is, is that of course Wade says it. We immediately run in to find out what Chris Watson thinks. Yeah. yeah. And Chris Watson never looked more unhappy to do an interview than when we came up to him after the the punt catcher interview. Mm -hmm. It was. And, and now he wasn't good at it. He deserved to get cracked for it. Yeah. But oh my goodness. Could you imagine with Twitter? Oh, oh yeah. someone yeah. said that now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, everyone is just pounding away. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. And, and that Tampa, Tampa Bay game, obviously, for the, the points we just mentioned, very important. There is an NFL moment during this week, in week 13 of 2000, that cannot be overlooked. Because a few hundred miles north yes. of Tampa Bay in Detroit at the Silverdome, the Lions are in the verge of kicking the tar out of the New England Patriots. And in the second half of that game, a man by the name of Thomas Brady, I hope I'm saying that right, uh, is making his NFL debut. I'm sure nothing would come from him uh, down the road. Week 14, the start of December, the Bills welcome the Miami Dolphins. It's Dolphins week once again. You think maybe, okay, that game in Tampa Bay, obviously everything went wrong for the Bills, but if they can have a bounce-back game against a hated rival like the Dolphins, 
maybe they that will spur them on for the final month of the season. Well, this is the <laughs> we're talking about the drought for a reason. The Dolphins score the first 30 points of the game, and it was never a contest. Dolphins win 33 to six. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I don't remember much about it. No, <laughs> the worst home we'll loss in eight years for the Buffalo Bills. And how do they follow up the worst home loss in eight years? How about the worst team loss since 1987 when they go into Indianapolis on Monday night, a national TV audience, and the Colts win 44-20. I remember that was yeah. that was a brutal game. I just remember just we're all looking at each other on the sideline. Is this really happening? Mm -hmm. I mean, you knew the team was in trouble, but to just get embarrassed like that back-to-back -back weeks was just and you, you can't, unbelievable. You can't overstate enough about how different the feeling of the Bills was then. Losing yeah. by three touchdowns now is like, eh, and we, yeah, that's, it happens. that's week four, right. you know? <laughs> but, but then it was, what, what are we watching? Right. And, of course, the big part of that week was the lead-up where Wade Phillips said, we're done. They were seven and six. The Colts were seven and six. Everyone was billing it, maybe the Monday night broadcast team, because they needed something to pump the game up as an elimination game. And Wade pretty much came on set on Wednesday. No, we don't have a chance, even yeah. if we win. Yeah. And and the funny thing was, I remember listening to that, and my first reaction was, oh, he's right. Yeah, that they, even you know even at ten and six, they're not making the playoffs. No one thought that even either team had a chance, even with a win. But the more you thought about, it, the more you realized that. Well, why is the coach saying this? Yeah, You're you still never, alive. You can't yeah. say yeah. that. And yeah. especially you never, you never after hearing 10 years of four and seven Bills yeah. teams say, we still have a yeah. chance, you know? <laughs> so for, for them at seven and six to say we're done, you know, it blows you away now. But I do remember at the moment, I thought, oh, yeah, he's right. You know, no big deal. It turned out to be wrong because the Colts make the playoffs. Yeah. But Yeah, 44 points allowed most uh, since week three of 1987. The Bills officially eliminated from the playoffs with that loss. And Rob Johnson, we talked about the sacks thing. We should have like a sack counter here. Oh. He's sacked eight times in this loss in Indianapolis. Uh, just mind-blowing stuff. Week 16, the New England Patriots come to town. Now the Bills are playing for pride, obviously. They're not going to the postseason. Here's the weather game, the classic yep. late yeah. December weather game at Ralph Wilson Stadium. Snow, 50-mile-an-hour wins. The kicking game and the passing game uh, was just abhorrent. Christie has two field goal attempts blocked. Vinatieri has a field goal short. Uh, Johnson crushed by Greg Spires in this game, done for the game. And here is... Uh, we talk about how things are different from 2000 to 2017. The response to head injuries is obviously the most noticeable one when you watch uh, these games from this time period because Johnson gets just thrown around. After the game, Phillips called it a slight concussion, no more than a headache. And it was just kind of like, oh, yeah, no, well, okay. And, and then he'll be back. Johnson wasn't back for the final game of the season. But uh, that game, just a brutal game in the snow. There's a great shot, which we can run, of John Kutchko trying to shoot a stand-up <laughs> in the snow. The elements today were more suitable for the Alaska night. <laughs> Ready? Three, two, one. The elements today were more suitable for the Alaskan Iditarod. Heavy snow and a blustery wind all game long for a meaningless Bills-Pats game, which turned out to be memorable. It was a comedy of errors. We love John. And his hair moved. And his, <laughs> and his <laughs> The seat. only time ever. Yeah. We shoot these games outside in the snow. We freeze. He's up in his press box. Yep. He comes down on the field and, oh my, this is too cold for me. You're like, really? Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, we've all worked for him for a long period of time. So the, the Patriots go on and win that game 13 10 in overtime. That was Dave's game. I mean, what yeah. was, you know, you worked a bunch of those. I had a streak until like 2011 where I never worked a bad weather game. Yeah, that was. I never talked about it. I mean, I always talk about it. That so. was a bad one. That and we was, each have our strategies for bad weather. Yeah. What, what, what did you know? What did you do? 
just I actually spend a lot of time at the bench with the the jet the jet blowers. <laughs> yeah. I go I go to the side of the bench and I try and get my hands warm there. But I I used to have a problem cramping up. My hands would my hand would my camera hand would just like lock. Yeah. Yeah. And it would scare the crap out of me yeah. because I'm like I gotta. It yeah. Was, yeah. But it was it was just I was more concerned about almost keeping the equipment. Well, that's the, the thing. That, yeah. The toughest part With was tape, keeping it from tapes. I would imagine would yeah. be a real pain. Yeah, it was, and keeping it from fogging up and things like that. And you know, it was just that was, and you had to worry about the batteries running out because when it gets cold, they don't they don't hold their charge as well, mm -hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. So that was it was it was a challenge. But and for a game with no touchdowns, that ends thirteen ten. It's really fun to go out there and freeze <laughs> or something yeah. like that, right? No, actually, there was a touchdown. There. <laughs> I might take that back. But uh, okay, so the Bills and dropped this game. I think if game. I'm not mistaken, that yeah. touchdown he actually did a nice little slide into the end zone. It was a. Oh, can't, who would that have been? Would that have been Kevin Fall? I think time? so. And he yep. hit, hit the ground and slid for about to, from the front of the end <laughs> yeah, out yeah, of the back. Yeah. It was, wasn't bad. Well, two days <laughs> after this game, uh, the big news for the Bills uh, is they Ralph Fires, John Butler, the GM uh, from the past eight seasons. Colts on the verge of the playoffs. That's that's obviously a big talking point. Uh, Butler gets the boot, refused to sign a new contract, and this is where we start seeing. At least in the research that I've done, and maybe you guys can speak to this a lot better than I can, um, is this idea that perhaps Ralph Wilson is a bit tight with the purse, purse strings. Uh, Butler was in the lower third of salaries amongst GMs in the NFL, and coming off a decade of uh, success where pretty much any team in the league would sign up for that, a playoff caliber team every single year. What was the immediate response uh, that you guys felt that, whoa, Butler's getting fired, there's still a game left to play this season, it's happening on a Tuesday, and Butler doesn't seem to be the issue here. It's the guys on the field and maybe the head coach. Right. I think it was just it was. I think it was more. He'd been such a part of the team for so long, and had been you know he. He was Polian's guy. Yeah. He, yeah. Going back so to the 80s. To all of a sudden, there goes another part of that. Yeah. That era is all of a sudden getting ushered out, and it's like, okay, where where are you going now? You know, it was just it was, it was kind of bizarre. John, how surprised are you by Mr. Wilson's decision today? Uh, surprised. Uh, you know, that's hard to say right now. The finale of all is just starting to set in right now. So, you know, in a, in a day or two, I'm sure it'll hit me more. Mr. Wilson said today that he offered you a contract on Friday. He wanted time to think about it, and he wanted an answer. Were you not prepared to come back to the Buffalo Bills? Next oh, no, that's not true whatsoever, you know. We did talk contract, but, uh, you know, at that particular time, it just wasn't something I was going to reply to or answer. So, you know, I don't know what Mr. Wilson said that in here. Yeah. Yeah, but you know what? You got a lot of things you got to do. You got to plan on a team. You got a lot of work to do. I can understand it. You know. how, how did you feel on the way that you found out? Was it over the phone or was it? Talked to Mr. Wilson this morning. Yeah, I was in Charlotte on the way to the Blue Gray game. He called and informed me. And I said, he said, "Hit on back." I said, "Okay." So here I am. Pardon me? Have you talked to people in San Diego? Oh, no. No, I haven't talked to anyone. No. I'm under contract. Still under contract until February 28th. That's what I figured. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a different thing. The thing about rewatching that interview over, though, is you could, you know, at the time you didn't realize it because it was news you're covering and you're in it. But watching it again, to me, it looked like Butler had this plan from June. You know, <laughs> yeah. that he, he was fine with it. He talked about, well, you know, this is how it goes. And, you know, Mr. Well, Mr. Wilson makes a decision. you got to respect it. You, you know, I don't think we realized it as much at the time, even though Ralph pretty much came out and said this is what he thinks uh, Butler was doing. You know, I, I think Butler was ready to go if – I think he was going no matter what. You know, outside of Ralph Wilson dropping a billion dollars in front of him, 
he was going to go. Well, and then you, you mentioned Ralph. His press conference after oh. firing John Butler is uh, one Stuff of the more legends. one yes. of the more bizarre yeah. press conferences I've seen, especially from someone in his position as owner and team president. This is a release uh, from from me. Um, John Butler is dismissed as executive vice president and general manager. That's the title of the release. Orchard Park, New York. Bill's president and owner, Ralph Wilson, Jr., announced today that John Butler has been dismissed of his duties as general manager of the club, effective immediately. I am announcing today that I am dismissing John Butler of his duties as executive vice president and general manager of the Bills. Wilson said, the move is effective immediately. He said that. The reason for the dismissal is because John has refused to give me an answer to his future intentions. It is now time to move forward, and therefore I can wait no longer to see who will be the Bills general manager after this season. Now Ralph is also 82 years old. Um, he reads from his own press release. It's, he answers questions that are, and his answers are all over the place. Um, what is the perception of Ralph at this time? You know, he's been the patriarch of this franchise for decades, and now there's this bad season, they're not making the playoffs, he fires his GM, and he seems kind of out there. What was, what were you guys thinking in that media room as Ralph is laying out his reasons for firing John Butler? Did you go to that one? I know I was I at that one. I think I was no, there. No, yeah, I, I was there. We, I, I, we might have both gone to some right. of these, but you, when he starts reading his, the, the, um, What's it called when you put this? The city. press release? No, no, no. Oh, the, the byline. The yeah. byline. Yeah. The, the, the Dateline. Yeah, yeah. Dateline. So, dateline Orchard Park. That's where we are. Yeah. Basically, what what happens at this time is that you go to a press conference and something happens, and the media relations director already has a press release prepared. So everybody gets a paper. Yep. And so Ralph goes up to the podium, and I don't know if they didn't prepare him or if you don't prepare the owner. The owner says what does what he wants. He's up there with the sheet of paper. So he goes into his opening remarks, and you're just waiting for him to start talking, and the first thing he reads is the headline, and no one really notices at the time, <laughs> because the headline is, you know, Ralph Wilson fires John Butler, and it sounded weird, okay. And then he goes, <clears throat> Orchard Park, New York. Now you know what's happening. <laughs> He's literally reading everything on the page. And then the best part is he goes, he says, Ralph Wilson today announced that John Butler will be dismissed as general manager of the Buffalo Bills. And then he reads a quote from himself in the press release, follows it yep. up by saying, <laughs> I said that, I said that. <laughs> so I think the reaction was, okay, he's still in charge, this is still the patriarch, he's losing it a little bit, it's funny. You know, it's, ah, uh, you know, that's Ralph, he's 80, yeah. whatever. You we know? have a grandpa, our yeah. grandfathers are yeah. like it's, that. Yeah. It's grandpa, you know, yeah. He's, yeah. he'll be fine, it'll be no problem. And, and, you know, little did we know, it was probably the beginning, the first sign that things were going to be going bad for a long period of time. And definitely changing, if yes, nothing yes. else. Yeah. So the Bills wrap up the season in 2000 in Seattle in a game that was really unremarkable or not all that important. Antoine Smith has a good game. Doug Flutie has a good game. But the Bills season is over. Same with Seattle. Bills win 42-23. A couple days later, a season ends uh, January 2nd, 2001. 
Ralph uh, meets with Wade Phillips down in Florida. Ralph gives Wade a vote of confidence. You think, okay, perhaps Wade would be back. It's always a kiss of death, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? <laughs> Five days later, the following Sunday, Ralph fires Phillips because he wouldn't fire Ronnie Jones. And I'll just say that name, Ronnie Jones, and you guys just go. Yeah. You look at that yeah. in retrospect, it's like, wow, yeah. head scratcher. <laughs> that was a weird day, too, because, uh, you know, you, you get the news that Wade gets fired, and John Kutchko and I go up there, and we were literally driving around the main complex where the Bills have their offices. Is there a light in Wade's office? Is he there, maybe? <laughs> did you see something move? I don't know. He did that with me once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stalkers. Right, exactly. It's a tactic that we've remained through all these years because Rex Ryan, we had to do the same thing. Yeah. Track him down, too. So you, you, wanna, you hear that Wade felt. I think, again, we found out through some of the Buffalo guys that Wade was going to show up at the airport. So we all drive out to the airport. And like you were saying a moment ago, pre-9-11, whole different. We bring our cameras right down to the oh, gate. Yeah. You know, so we're standing there waiting and, and not really sure that he's actually going to be on this plane that we're told he's going to be on. But sure enough, his son is there waiting for him. And then he comes out and, you know, we do a, an interview in the airport. For the second time in five days or whatever yeah. it was, we yeah. do an interview with a Bill's front office, you know, top person in an airport. And he know, just gave a statement. He didn't take questions, but he was he was there. Mm -hmm. He did talk mm -hmm. to the media it right outside a, his gate. A lengthy statement. It was, yeah, yeah. It he, was. He thanked a lot of people it was as very a media professional. Member, yeah. You didn't walk away from that thinking, "I wish we had a chance right. to ask whatever." You got enough out of that to be yeah. okay. I've got my story covered. Uh, first of all, I want to I want to thank uh, Mr. Ralph Wilson for the opportunity for giving me the opportunity to coach the. Buffalo Bills. Um, I'm especially proud of my coaching staff and proud of my players whose who's 29 wins uh, represent sixth in the NFL and, and uh, wins in the last three years. Um, I want to also thank uh, the great general manager, John Butler, who, uh, who was a big factor in those wins for us. And I want to thank uh, I especially thank the uh, Buffalo Bills fans, uh, not only ones in Western New York, but throughout the country that uh, gave us uh, tremendous support. Um, anything else I have is uh, I need to talk to my coaching staff to be able to uh, comment on anything else, but I appreciate it. Thank can you. you. Wait, Wait. Can you uh, no, that's it. Thank you. All right, so that was the year 2000. I think this was pretty fun for a yeah. uh, first episode out. Uh, relive some memories, tell some stories, but to also give the media perspective from these seasons where the Bills missed the postseason. Because anybody can go out there and, and talk about these seasons. You can look at a box score, and a lot of people watch these games, obviously, on television and in person, so they have their own memories of it. But I think the memories that you two guys have, especially because you were there, you were on the field, you're in the locker room, you're in the media room, I think that perspective can be especially valuable because how many people experience that? And you guys were there. Thad, you've been there for all 17 years. Dave, you were there uh, at the beginning of the playoff drought. So I hope this uh, was entertaining for you. I know it was entertaining for me. We'll be doing this every Thursday from now until right up to the start of training camp. We are 17 weeks away from the 2017 training camp opening at St. John Fish. That was week one, or episode one, excuse me, of Down and Drought. We'll be back next week for 2001.